Hello, beloved children of God. I'm Grace Seaman, and you're listening to Catholic in College, a podcast to encourage college students that we're not alone in practicing our faith, even in the midst of a secular college culture. This episode's guest is Sister Amy Marie, the Vocations Director for the Marian Sisters in Lincoln. Sister, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Grace. I'm happy to be here. I'm really happy to have you here. So I was thinking about this episode, sort of planning some of our little talking points, and it kind of struck me. I mentioned this to a group of friends, like, you guys ever think about how we uh, we don't ask married people, like, what's your vocation story? And they were like, actually, we do. Like, I talk to my parents about that all the time, and I'm like, okay, maybe it's just <laughs> me, but I think a lot of, we ask a lot of religious and priests to do that, so maybe that's just something I need to start doing, but (laughs) why don't you tell me a little bit about your vocation story and how you discern to be with the Marian sisters? Sure. Yeah, I think actually uh, the basis of where my vocation story starts is just the fact that it came from, or the inspiration really from my parents and their witness in their vocation of marriage. Um, So yeah, I know how you had said, I don't really ask a whole lot of people who are married what their vocation story is, but I love to hear how people fell in love. And um, I'm grateful when people ask me for mine because uh, it renews it renews the love within my own heart for Jesus and that initial, that first call he gave me to be his bride. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, my story begins, uh, I grew up uh, near Dorchester, Nebraska on a farm uh, between Crete and Dorchester. And I'm one of six kids. And ever since I can remember, the faith has always been important um, to my family, to my parents, Um, I never once felt like my faith was something that was forced upon me, but it was just who we were. Our Catholic faith was important. Um, I looked up to my parents a great deal and the way that they prayed and were faithful to the church and receiving the sacraments and uh, just teaching our family about the faith. They really were my first teachers. And so uh, very much so, I, I saw myself as desiring a relationship with the Lord um, and wanting to grow in that, but I, I didn't necessarily always know how uh, to be to make that personal um, until about my junior year of high school is when things started to really shift, if you will, in my spiritual life. So, uh, leading up to that point, my my fairy tale dream, as I call it, was to meet the man of my dreams. I thought, oh, I'll go to college after high school, fall in love, marry the guy that was the perfect guy, mm-hmm. and. Um, settle down somewhere and just raise a family. I thought I've had to study anything. Okay, I could maybe be a teacher for a while, but really like this deep desire in my heart um, was to give my heart totally to someone and then also um, to just be a mom, uh, to be able to raise children in the faith and teach them the love of God and really become a saint through that avenue. And so uh, that was that was the dream I had. I thought because this is something that was very natural and normal for me to desire, I just assumed that that's what God wanted too. So I never really gave him much room to talk about it with me um, until uh, the summer before my junior year of high school, I started going to daily mass. And I think there was just something in me that wanted to make my faith my own, Um, I wanted people in my community, in my town, at my school, wherever, to know that I was choosing this for me, that I knew it was right, and I wanted a relationship with God that was personal, and it wasn't something forced upon me by my family. And so I started with going to Mass, and I thought, what better way to grow closer to God than receiving Him in the Eucharist? And I started to pray a little more and uh, 
try to go to, you know, even the church early before a Sunday mass so I could pray for a while, frequenting uh, confession. And this one particular day when I was at Holy Mass, um, I was sitting behind three Schoenstatt Sisters of Mary uh, who have a shrine really close to my hometown. And I had known them growing up. I was part of their youth group, um, helped with their summer camps. But I never, I never saw myself as being one um, of them. But they definitely showed me that religious or consecrated women are normal human beings and they eat food and they laugh and they joke and they love the Lord. Uh, you can have friendships with them. And so um, knowing that was very beautiful, but again, never saw myself being one of them because I was going to have the fairy tale dream. Um, but this particular day at mass, I, I found myself just staring them down <laughs> from behind um, observing their habits, which there was no mistaking, like they were consecrated women, they were in habit. Um, yeah, I was just gazing at them. And this thought popped into my head of, could I ever do that? Would God ever ask me to do that with my life? And I really sat there pondering, like, I guess I never really asked him, like, I know what I want, but maybe I should ask him what he wants. And um, just beginning to recall that my parents had never even proposed this idea of like, well, you might be called to be a sister or you would make a great sister someday. But it was always the idea that if you just do what God wants you to do, that's where you're going to be the most happy and fulfilled in this life and in heaven. So knowing that, I thought, well, I better ask him because he knows uh, he created me. And he knows what's best for me. So I felt very prompted by the Holy Spirit in that moment um, just to ask him. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Super simple prayer. And almost immediately hearing a response in my own heart, um, I want you all for myself. Again, just like that still small voice, I want you all for myself. And I knew what that meant. Um, telling my story now, I look back and I think, well, he wants everybody's heart. What made me think that it was this? And I think it's just a testament to how well the Lord knows our heart. Like he knew exactly the words he needed to speak um, to touch my heart in a deep place. He knew he didn't have to say anything more than I want you all for myself. And just having... Um, yeah, this, this welling up desire within me of like, I wanted to be able to give everything to him. And uh, there was a little bit of excitement, like, wow, you would ask me. Um, what a, what an honor. Um, but slash also you would ask me, you know, like, <laughs> what is it about me? And um, yeah, so I, I sat on this, like, just thinking all mass is going on and I'm just like burning a hole through these sisters veils because I'm staring them down. And uh, I began to really, I guess, in a sense, weigh the price. Um, I saw this balance before me of like the things I'd be giving up, but also the things I would be gaining. And, um, you know, what about wearing that when I would go home? You know, I, I can't imagine um, being in this small rural area of Nebraska um, dress like that. And like, there would be no mistaking that I was following Christ, um, even just by what I was wearing. Um, what about my family? I couldn't imagine ever leaving them. Um, 
look at their shoes. <laughs> I laughed like I'd never wear a pair of cool Nike shoes ever again. Um, anyway, that was probably a more shallow thing. Um, but then also that desire to be married and have a family. Like, God, how would you ever fulfill that within me? Um, but on the same token, being like, wow, living like so radically um, for Jesus and knowing that um, I could potentially inspire others to follow him more radically by my gift of self. So I wish I could say I walked out that day being like, done deal, sign me up um, to enter the convent. But I really walked out just with um, more motivation um, and intentionality in my prayer to ask the Lord for the grace to know my vocation. And um, I really started to do that, especially through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Uh, The sisters had taught me um, a great deal about Our Lady and fostered my love for her. And so I went to her right away just asking like, help me to know what God's will is and help me to have the courage to say yes, like you did. So this became a prayer on my lips every day. Uh, Lord, tell me what you want me to do with my life and I will do it. And more and more each day, I don't want to say that the desire to be a wife and a mother necessarily disappeared, but I think the Lord began to transform and show me that there was something deeper and that the way he wanted to fulfill that was going to look different than what I thought it was going to look like. Um, so it didn't just wash away. In fact, I think it it moved me more. It was a running toward Christ rather than running away from a, a vocation. Um, it was running toward one. And so um, I went through the next two years of high school and uh, lots of ups and downs along the way. You wake up one morning and you're like, yeah, this is it. I want to enter today. And then you wake up the next morning like, what am I doing with my <laughs> life, you know? Um, but by the time I was, it was in the spring of my junior year, I had gone on a Holy Week retreat with the Marian sisters, and that's kind of what got me, I guess, introduced to them on a more personal level. Um, I had only known one or two of them from different summer camps, but going on this retreat, even though it was silent, and I didn't really have much interaction with the sisters, there was something about being around them that I knew they had something the rest of the world didn't have, and I wanted it. And despite having a retreat that's so focused on the suffering and death of our Lord, my heart was so full of joy on that retreat. Um, I had heard Jesus speak to me just in the silence like I never had before, and and I wanted more. And so um, by the end of the retreat, I just didn't even want to leave. I mean, I just it felt so natural and normal to be there and be with the sisters, even though I hardly knew any of them. They felt like family. And uh, that really began to intensify this desire within me. And so by the end of my senior year, I uh, was almost 100% sure God was calling me to the Marian sisters, but there was still that little bit in me that was like, well, I've never lived on my own before, and how can I be sure that I'm not missing out on something in college or whatever? So I did do a year of college here at UNL. Um, to kind of test my call. And I thought, if this is really of God, it's going to get stronger. And if it's not, it's going to fizzle out. And um, it definitely grew stronger. I met great people to help me foster um, just my love for our Lord and to grow in a deeper relationship with him in prayer. And um, so much so that then by the time my uh, spring semester rolled around, I just was like, I I just can't wait anymore. (laughs) Like, I want to be there. So I asked to enter um, over my spring break and um, entered then in 2010 in September and have been there ever since. And it's been a roller coaster ever since also. Um, You know, in a sense, the journey has just begun. 
but it has been the greatest gift um, to me for sure, besides my baptism. Uh, but this this life is a deepening of that consecration. And I couldn't have imagined the lengths that the Lord would go to to win my heart over more and more. And he continues to do so, um, impress me and amaze me at, at how well um, he loves me. So, yeah, that's that's how I got here. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that is all like I I could take so much from that uh even just your story and you know we imitate that you know (laughs) everyone's story is different absolutely Um, yeah I just like that you said um at the beginning it's you love hearing their love stories and that's basically Mm -hmm. your love story Mm -hmm. with Christ so good um so your current role as vocation director. When did you start that? So um, I'm in my second year as vocation director, and I started helping with vocation work uh, three years ago. Before that, I was a fifth grade school teacher here in Lincoln, uh, which was really great. Uh, But then community saw something, uh, something more, I guess, in me that they wanted uh, me to serve the community in this capacity. So um, asked me to do so, and I joyfully said yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, one of the perceptions maybe that college students have, and I was talking about this with um, at the retreat that my friend Annie planned, her mom came and, and spoke about how it was, the whole retreat was centered around motherhood, and you were there, and it was great. And um, one part of her talk, she mentioned how when she was in college, and it really hasn't changed, but the obsession that we all have with, like, I need to know my vocation, I need to know it now, and um, in a way, thinking that once I know that, everything after that's going to be mm-hmm. easy. Um, and here you are living your vocation for at least, you know, 10, 10 or so mm-hmm. years, and <laughs> trying to do rapid math in my head, it's not that you hard. Like 11-ish. Like, 11-ish, <laughs> yep. 11-ish years. Um, have you found that to be the case? Is everything just like the fairy tale that you imagined? <laughs> you know, some days, yeah, it feels like the fairy tale. But, um, of course, every vocation has has their struggles. Um, the grass always seems to be greener on the other side, you know. Uh, but every, every vocation has the cross. Um, and every vocation has the resurrection, too. You know, but we have to go go through it. There are certainly crosses that I didn't anticipate ever having to carry. And I think... Just about anybody could say that um, in their vocation. Um, But when we surrender that to the Lord and walk with him, um, the glory comes on the other side, you know. Um, One thing that I I didn't mention from my vocation story is how, like, again, looking back of how God really, it was just a walking with him, you know, and, um, and how that continues to be a walking with him, not just like, okay, I found the gold and <laughs> now it's all done. And But no, we are like, we're discerning all the time, um, just daily decisions, right? Whether little things or, or big things. And that's in the vocation of marriage um, as well as consecrated life for sure. So talking about specific steps to discerning a vocation, what, and I'm not saying like, we need to be actively discerning that. But when I mentioned to you, um, when I was inviting you to come on the podcast, you were saying like there needs to be a relationship with Christ mm-hmm. first. Maybe speak more about that and how that will lead to 
knowing what your vocation is. Yeah, I think that is certainly something I'm learning more and more of. The more people I meet with and uh, talk about discerning a vocation, um, which has opened my eyes to what my discernment was like as well. And I didn't even know it. Um, But I think the way that the Lord, I'm just going to use my story for an example. Um, At the time, I didn't I wasn't so focused on the end goal of, am I called to be married or am I called to be a, a sister? Um, it was almost like uh, I compare it to that little girl, Boo, on Monsters, mm-hmm. Inc. And how they'd like lay out these little, you know, Cheerios or Fruit Loops and have her like pick them up and eat them along the way and then to get her where she needed to be. And I felt like the Lord sometimes was like that with me, just like give a little Cheerio, walk over here. Okay, take that and then come over here. And it was just, he was so gentle, so patient, you know, and next thing you know, I'm looking up and like Jesus is proposing (laughs) to me, you know? Um, So, I mean, that's kind of a silly example, but I think it just goes to show that the Lord was teaching me to, to be with him. Um, that shift in my prayer life that happened of like wanting to make my faith my own, um, wanting to spend more time with him in the silence, uh, frequenting the sacraments. These were ways in which I was coming to know who God is and who I am in relation to him. And that has to be the foundation, right? Like that relationship of who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what's my identity? Like who am I in relation to them? Where do I fit into the picture? And who does God say that I am? And in that then is born, like out of this relationship with the Lord, this exchange with him is born this fruit of a vocation. So rather than just like, I don't know, going on this hunt or this in, through this maze and hopefully finding the gold, um, it, it really is this unfolding and I become less worried about what is the answer and the end. And I'm more concerned on who is the Lord and who am I? And it just becomes so much more, it really takes the pressure off of us when we, when we approach uh, discerning a vocation like that, that it's really a walking with the Lord and not just this hunt to find what his plan is um, and hope that we get it right. You know, he wants to be with us. And even the very um, just process of discernment is pleasing to him because that's how our hearts, they expand more to receive more of him. So it gets us to a point to be able to give a generous response. You know, the more I'm able to receive the love of God, the more I am moved to give of myself in return. And obviously that's going to benefit any vocation um, that a person ends up in is this spending time with the Lord so I can receive more of who he is. And when I have more of him, I'm able to give more of him um, and give like him whether that's to a spouse here on earth or making a total gift of self through consecrated life. So I'm going to pick out one of the things you said of um, it was we're trying to find this end. We're trying to find like this goal, hunting for it. But like you said in your story, like that's not the end. Uh, And I've heard it very often. It's like you need to be seeking your... um, like more general vocation of just holiness mm-hmm. and in that is where you find like the specific way that you're supposed to live that out. Absolutely. Um, and it also, I, I sort of started thinking about the good shepherd and the sheep know his voice. So they follow him. If you don't know God's voice, how are you supposed to know where he's calling right. you to? Yeah. And I so often uh, will meet with young people who will come up to me and say, sister, I feel like the Lord is calling me to 
be a religious or to enter seminary or whatever the case may be. And they're certain about it. And I say, oh, yeah, tell me more about like what the Lord's been doing in your prayer. How has he been communicating this to you? And they don't always have an answer. Like they maybe don't have the prayer life. And so that's the first place I go when I meet with someone is tell me about your prayer. What does that look like? Um, how does God speak to you? How, um, how do you speak to him? Just tell me about that exchange. Uh, and then that shows me kind of where they're at in the relationship. I mean, we wouldn't just, you know, go up to a guy in chemistry class and be like, I think you're the one I'm supposed to marry. Will you marry me? You know, like we would laugh, right? It sounds so silly and extreme. They don't have a relationship. That's so bizarre, you know? And so the same is true for our Lord. We can't expect to be like, am I supposed to marry you? And him be like, well, let's spend some time together. Let me come to know you, even though he knows us, but we need to open ourselves up more and more um, to him, right? And to be able to see that, how well he knows us. Um, and share with him those those desires that we have on our heart, um, the thoughts that we have, ambitions, how, whatever the case may be, the crosses we carry. Uh, he wants to be a part of that and be in relationship with us. And so just constantly asking this question, am I supposed to marry you? Uh, yeah, it's it's just not time yet, right, to to ask that kind of question. Let's first come to know who he is and who am I in him. Love at first sight is a myth, even when you're talking about Jesus. <laughs> like, see him in the monstrance, like, wow, I want to marry him. It's like, but why? Is he yeah. calling you to that? I don't know. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I do want to get into maybe the specific steps or advice for um, prayer life, maybe, of like, um, how can we get to know the Lord's voice? Yeah, I think a huge piece, especially in our culture today, um, is is silence. There's a lot of things I could lay out here, but the first place that my thought is going to is silence. Um, it's so hard to find it. Um, and not even just the, you know, turning off the music or turning off the TV, but also like, what am I just bringing into my mind? Uh, what am I listening to? What am I reading where am I going? Who am I spending time with? Do I have an interior silence that I, I can be still, uh, be still and know who God is and to listen to him? And so I think just examining one's life of those very things that I mentioned of what am, what am I bringing into myself, um, into my into my brain and taking in, um, like I said, on, on that Holy Week retreat, it was just a huge breakthrough for me of wow, this is why they encourage me to turn off my phone for the retreat. This is why I don't have a TV here. This is why I don't have a computer here. I mean, whatever it is, um, because I could hear the Lord speak so much, like so clearly and and so much more frequent too. And so, um, and then I desired more of that. I even remember getting home from the retreat and my sister saying we were getting ready for Easter vigil and she had the radio on and I turned it off and she said, so you go on one silent retreat and now you have to have it silent all the time. Um, Well, it didn't last forever, but um, just wanting, I was hungering for more of that. And so I think just getting ourselves in a place where we can be more receptive and not have so much clutter um, in the way. And with that, then in that silence, you know, that kind of naturally happens within the context of holy mass or adoration, Um, even just being quiet, you know, however many minutes before going to bed and not being on a phone, um, just really 
having an open mind and heart to the way that the Lord communicates. So I think that's probably the biggest, um, best first step a person can take is just examining how much silence do I have in my life? Am I in a position um, to be able to receive God's word, God's love for me? Can I recognize him working in a day? And I think through that silence, then it, it starts to fall into place. We start to recognize more how God is working. Um, even asking the question, yeah, how does God communicate with me? Um, it's a very, he communicates with each one of us in our own particular way, right? It might be through someone else. It might be through that silent time and adoration, through the scriptures. Um, and of course, there's a lot of overlap there. It's not just one way, but he does go above and beyond to try to get our attention. He's constantly speaking to us. But then it becomes, am I in a posture, in a place where I can receive and hear him? Um, and then, you know, hopefully be given the grace to respond uh, to however he's speaking and calling me. So from what you remember of your like your one year at UNL, um, because, you know, we are in, in school, we are involved in different activities and uh, social life and all of that. And it can feel very chaotic and mm-hmm. not a lot of room for silence, not a lot of time for that. Um, what's your advice for like incorporating that into this life yeah. of like you don't necessarily have to be on a silent retreat every week to be Mm -hmm. living this. Yeah, I think for myself, it was definitely visiting the Newman Center a lot. Um, I found the best silence there when I would be with Jesus um, in adoration or just showing up early before mass or even being on a run uh, on a Saturday morning and just stopping in, like in the middle of the run, just to say hi and acknowledge his presence there for a couple minutes. definitely was my time spent at the church. But I know that not everybody's um, work schedule or school schedule always allows that. And so I think it goes back to um, setting time aside, being intentional, like you would with any relationship, right? Think of dating. Um, It's not just like whenever we run into each other or whenever it's convenient, but a person has to be intentional about time spent together if they're truly going to discern if this is God's will that they be together forever. And so I think uh, that's A good rule of thumb, too, for us in our relationship with the Lord of being intentional about my time spent with him, uh, whether that's before the Eucharist or silence in my dorm room or going to find a tree where nobody else is and sitting down and just being like, hi, Jesus, (laughs) I'm here, you're here, (laughs) right? And, uh, And being honest with him. And I think in those silent times, in those intentional times spent with him, Um, knowing that he cares about all the details. I can remember um, not always just brewing over this vocation question, but just learning how to share with him the details of my life, right? Like I have this test tomorrow, (laughs) you know, he cares about that. I met with this person, they were just diagnosed with cancer. Okay, he cares about that. Like, and learning how to share more and more um, with him about those personal happening, you know, personal things in my life and knowing that he cared and that he listened and that he was with me. Um, and again, that's where that relationship begins to grow and the trust begins to grow and um, welling up within me, wanting to just give everything, give everything over to him. Now, I okay, this might be getting a little bit more into the prayer life than I was expecting, but I'm just thinking now of how I'm currently praying and just like, it's a lot of just 
me talking and like thinking about a lot of stuff that I'm worried about and trying to invite Jesus into that and just say like, Jesus, I need help. And just saying that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering like, is that giving him enough room to speak back to me? Cause I feel like, okay, I've said all this now. I need, I need to let Jesus speak and I don't hear anything. So any, any advice for that? Yeah, I think um, it does take patience, you know, like as we're growing <laughs> in the spiritual life, um, learning his voice uh, and knowing how he speaks to us. Uh, something that was very helpful to me when I learned about it early on after entering the convent, another sister, I heard her give a talk on prayer and she had used the letters A-R-R-R. And I frequently go there because that's what really taught me how to be truly honest and kind of blunt with the Lord about what was happening in my heart. And so A, acknowledging what I'm feeling right now in this moment. And again, not covering up anything or making it sound a certain way, but just truly coming as I am before the Lord and acknowledging how I feel. The first R is then to relate that to him in whatever way I see best fit, right? Sometimes it is, uh, telling him like in words, sometimes it's just feeling that feeling in front of him, right? That deepest place in my heart is where the Holy Spirit dwells. Um, and that's where those feelings are, which is why we want, we want to go there, right? To the, to the depths of the heart and relating that to Jesus and then taking time to receive from him. So the part that you talk about of like, I'm sharing all this stuff with him. And now how do I just like be quiet and let him speak? And this part of receiving is then I kind of turn off my sharing part and I allow the Lord to give something to me because he's always giving. I mean, that that is love, is just total gift, right? And so the Lord is always wanting to give us something. The question is, do I have the, the patience, I guess, um, to be quiet and say, Lord, what do you say about this? Mm-hmm. Or what do you see in this situation? Or what are you thinking about me right now? You might be asking him a question like that, Um, It might just be sitting with him quietly um, and waiting for him to, yeah, give you a word. Maybe a scripture comes to mind. Maybe an image comes to mind. Um, And that's, again, learning how does he usually communicate with me? What does he want to give me? And so after receiving something from him, then making a response. How am I called to respond to him? It might just be an exchange of, Thank you for that, you know. Thank you for that insight. I love you. Um, It might be, I maybe feel kind of more convicted of something like, okay, I need to go to confession or I need to go talk to this person. Um, It may vary, but I think most often it just brings us to gratitude because God is so patient, so loving, so gentle. And we're often the ones that are hard on ourselves, you know. Um, But God is always wanting to communicate his love for us. And so do I give him space? Um to do that. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Even myself as a sister, right? There are some days where I'm like, hello, you know, (laughs) don't you want to say something about this? Um, And uh, a spiritual director can be helpful in that regard to kind of hash out, like maybe if if there is something that's blocking me from receiving, what is it? Um, Sometimes the Lord is is just quiet um, because there's something else maybe we need to learn uh, in that silence. So, but I think persevering in the prayer being honest about what those feelings are, what I'm experiencing in my heart, and giving him room um, to speak and communicate himself with me. Thank you. Thank you for 
that advice. I think that's very helpful. Um, and yeah, prayer is hard, but I've also gone through different points where like maybe we're break or something or I'm sick. I'll, I'll take a little break from prayer and it's any prayer is better than no prayer. Right. I, I cannot be cut off from my sores. It just it gets much worse after that. Mm-hmm. So definitely persevere through that. Um, oh, here is a good question. Um, I don't know how many people struggle with this. Um, in a way, I hope I'm not the only one. But sometimes we worry that if I'm not constantly seeking it out, if I'm not constantly discerning what what am I supposed to do, then I'm just going to blink and I'll miss it and I'll accidentally not do God's will. What would you say to kind of dispel that fear? I think just to know that the Lord is good, you know? Um, He's not holding a carrot out in front of us, you know, to get us where we need to be. Or again, the scavenger hunt of like, well, she missed it. There were all the signs and she totally missed it, right? Um, He's so good to us. He wants what's best for us. Um, And he's also... He's going to work with the decisions that we make. You know, even um, I've met with people, right, that uh, maybe make one decision and they question whether they should have made the other, but like God is going to work with that. He still wants you to live a good, full, um, happy life. Again, we could get into the whole like, well, your capacity to love may look different now based on a decision that you've made, Um, but God is always for us. And I think that's, that's a powerful truth to keep in mind that, He's not just going to pull the rug out from under us, but he's always for us, working for us. Um, Again, constantly trying to communicate and get his love for us and give of himself to us. So just to, you know, proclaim that truth, announce that truth, that God is, he's for me. Um, And it's, you know, it's on a person's conscience whether that willful decision comes of of running away or um, ignoring that call. But that's, you know, that's up to God, right? Um, it's not up to me to judge that. All I can do is, again, keep seeking the Lord and knowing that in seeking him is when he reveals then um, those invitations to us of where he's calling us, whether that's a vocation or a decision we have to make, however big or small. So, yeah, I think just remembering he's for us. I like that of seek him, don't seek the vocation because he's making himself so easy to find and that's going to give you a lot more peace than... I, I'm, I'm looking for this outside of you. No, it's going to be with him. Right, right. Yeah. And to bring even that, right? Any frustration or um, that we have in discernment or I'm confused or I'm afraid or whatever it is, even if it's kind of ugly and uncomfortable, to bring that to him, right? Jesus, this is how I really am seeing discernment. It stresses me out, which it shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but here we are, right? And he takes me as I am to just be open and honest about that fear or about that anxiety or about that struggle and allow him to be, yeah, your source, right? And he can dispel the darkness and speak truth into where there are those lies that maybe are following us around um, or challenging us in our discernment. And the other thing from like that previous point that you said, um, and I suppose with this too, is like, we can't be frozen in fear. If it's, I'm so afraid I'm going to make the wrong decision that I just don't make any decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not good either. So right. maybe taking like little baby steps, like going on a silent retreat with right. um, a certain, like maybe a discernment retreat with seminary or this convent or 
like saying yes to a date with someone. Right. Uh, something I heard from, I think it was, yeah, Madeline Frick's boyfriend had heard it in his spiritual direction. Um, just got to make sure I give the right credit. Um, <laughs> he said that like we don't discern in the abstract. And like you were saying before, sometimes people will be like, I know that I'm supposed to do this. And you're like, how do you know? Um, right. Not really. Yeah. Yeah, the signs have to be there. Um, for example, a young woman might want to enter a community, but if the community is discerning something else or something else has come up where they say, okay, it's time to wait, um, okay, the Lord is working in very concrete ways, right? Um, or there's all these communities all over the United States. And I just start like, I'm overwhelmed with how many there are to discern. Okay, well, just let me stop and look like, what has God um, placed in front of me? Who has God placed in front of me to help me take that next best step, right? He's not saying, okay, choose the right community out of all of these communities, but saying, well, who is within my proximity that can help me grow in relationship? And then he's going to, um, you know, bring to you that community that needs to be there. If that's the one he's calling you to, he's going to make it work, right? Um, rather than feeling stressed out about all of them. Um, but I think more often than not, it is just as you kind of said, taking that next best step. Sometimes it's just going to visit somewhere. Sometimes it's asking a married couple, tell me about like, what are the joys of your vocation? What are the struggles of your vocation? Um, sometimes it is choosing to be more intentional about that prayer time. So rather than, again, the end goal of where is God calling me? What's the vocation? It's okay, right here, right now. What is God asking of me? What is my next best step? Um, and that looks different for everybody, of course, but it's a lot less intimidating, I think, to just take one more step. One last fear that I will bring up is, um, if I entrust my vocation to God and I ask him what he wants, I'm afraid that, okay, I was saying me as in anyone who struggles with this. Sure. It could include me. (laughs) Um, I'm afraid that it won't be good or I won't be as happy if I let him choose. How do you come to the point where you trust that Jesus has a good plan for you? Yeah, I think that's um, being delivered of that fear, right? Like the Lord doesn't speak through fear. Uh, He doesn't force us into something. Um, And so just looking at like with a holy curiosity, if you will, of I wonder why I feel afraid. I wonder why I don't trust him or why I think, you know, if this is kind of the lie of like that he's not a good father and he won't take care of me. And so not a not a condemning ourselves, you know, self-condemnation, um, but really a holy curiosity and opening up that, opening that to the Lord. Lord, I wonder why I feel this way. What in it, what has happened in my life to maybe um, foster this lie within me? And am I willing to open that up to him and have him, um, you know, again, dispel that darkness and lie and replace it with truth? And that goes back then to that foundation of relationship with him. Am I willing to open up these parts of my heart and be honest with him about why I'm maybe afraid um, of, of him asking something of me that I feel isn't going to fulfill me? And I think, you know, taking that example of marriage and family, it wasn't that the Lord, um, you know, I still had that desire, but the Lord had much to reveal to me of how he had created my heart. And the fulfillment has come, right? Like it is, it's a joy and there's so much peace. But he had to weed out some lies that I had believed um, about him as being a good father. And so just being willing to open that up 
and allowing him to um, just reveal those wounds in his light and giving him permission to heal and replace them with his truth. It kind of reminds me of what uh, Sarah Swafford will talk about with like um, the switch that you can flip like after you get married. It's not going to turn you into like the wife you were supposed to be or (laughs) the husband you're supposed to be. No, you have to be like putting in the work before that to become the person that you want to be when you're married and how, um, yeah, we can't just jump into the vocation like, um, this is what I want to do, so it's going to work out fine. It's like, no, if if you are not sure that God is in that, if you do not have God with, with you throughout that, we, we can't do anything on our own. So, yeah, definitely need, it, need him to be a part of it. So... I'm going to go ahead and bring us to a close. Would you like to uh, close us in a prayer? I'd love to. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness, for your love for us. Lord, I just pray your blessing over anyone who's listening to this podcast right now who may be doubting that you are a good father and have their best interest in mind. I ask that you dispel any of those lies, any darkness, And just replace it with your light, with your truth. Lord, help us to know you as a good father. Please give us the grace necessary to respond to your invitation in whatever capacity that may be. And Blessed Mother, I ask that you wrap each one of us in your mantle and protect us from the snares of the enemy and lead us always closer to the heart of your son, Jesus. We ask all of this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today, sister. You're welcome. Thank you, Grace. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform and follow Catholic in College on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, remember that you're never alone in your faith. Until next episode, let's all keep striving to be open, be present, and be loved.